What a realization that God can take the old self and create something new. Even those of us that have followed and served him for a long time, he can still keep making us new. I don't know if you're aware of it or not, but the Bible never uses the word retirement. (laughs) At least not from serving the Lord. We're to continue to be, as my friend Jeff Stark says, hoptimists. Not optimists, hoptimists. Living in hope and sharing hope and showing hope. And I realized just a little bit ago sitting there that I misspoke when I said this month about the message of hope. Actually, it started on our Back to Church Sunday. And that one-week sermon, this is number seven after the, of that one week. <laughs> that was the plan. But we talked about the fact on that day, and some of you may remember as I shared with you about my visit with the president. If you weren't here, ask somebody who just laughed. But one of the questions that began the message that week was, what do you do when your dreams die? What do you do when what you had planned falls apart? When the relationship ends, when you get fired, when the economy tanks, when the friendship severs, when your health deteriorates. What do you do when all things seem hopeless? I have great news this morning. Hope is still hope, even if. Even if what? That's right. No matter what your even if is, hope is still hope. Hope is still alive. Hope is still available, even if. Hope was still alive when Daniel was thrown in the lion's den. Hope was still alive when the three Hebrew children were thrown into the fiery furnace. And hope was still alive when Jesus died on the cross. Because he's no longer on the cross, nor in the tomb. And that gives us hope. If you have your Bibles or Bible on your devices, I invite you to turn with me. The New Testament, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. That one should be familiar to you by now. And then we're also going to look at John chapter 19 through John chapter 20, verse 29. If you're grabbing one of the Bibles that's under the chairs, page 1200 or page 1073 should get you to the right places where we're going to be studying this morning. 1 Peter 1.3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy... He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. A living hope. Not a dying hope, not a dead hope, not a past hope, but a living hope. Because hope is still hope, even if. Now put yourself in the place of 
the disciples, the followers of Jesus when he was put on the cross. They watched him be tortured, beaten, whipped, then nailed to a cross. They watched his physical body die. And this was the Messiah they had hoped. Some had mistaken who he was and thought he was going to be the new king of the country. But whatever their plans were, they died on that cross and when the stone was rolled in front of the tomb. <laughs> but there's good news. John chapter 19, beginning at verse 38. And I'm reading from the English Standard Version. It says, after these things, this is after Christ's death, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. Pilate gave him permission, so he came and took away his body. And Nicodemus also, who earlier had come to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds in weight. So they took the body of Jesus, bound it in linen cloths with the spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. And in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. So because of the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. Now, let me just insert here. The Gospel of Matthew tells us about the fact that Pilate ordered guards to be around the tomb as well. John doesn't tell us that detail. Chapter 20 says, now on the, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we did not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple and they were going toward the tomb and both of them were running together. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first and stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. Hope is still hope, even if. They watched him die. Was supposed to be the Messiah. They watched where he was buried. He was supposed to be the hope. But you see, hope is still hope. Even when our plans change, even when things go away. And I want you to recognize this and to understand. Number one, hope is still hope even if you think your dream is dead. Sometimes God's timing makes us think that the dream is dead when God is simply waiting for the right time. So God has answers 
when we pray. God has answers when we make plans. Sometimes the answer is yes. Sometimes the answer is no. Sometimes the answer is not yet. And sometimes, as my friend Charles Lake would say, the answer is, I have a better idea. Hope is still hope, even when our dreams and our plans die. Now, we have to remember that God has a plan. And we need to remember God's plans. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declare the Lord, plans for peace and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. He had plans then. He has plans now. He'll have plans in the future. So much better to follow his than ours. It's taken me a while, but I figured that out. Have you discovered that? His plans are better than your plans. But his plans are not always the same, are they? And sometimes his plan is awesome, but frankly, I argue with him because I think his timing stinks. I'm wrong, but that's what I think. And I sometimes say, Lord, this doesn't make sense. The timing, it should have been here. And his timing's always perfect, but I don't always understand it in the moment. And that's what happens when we think our dreams have died. Remember God's plan. And that just because it's not happening now may not mean it's not going to. It may simply mean God says, I have a better time or a better idea. Secondly, hope is still hope even if life is confusing. Can we all agree that life is confusing at times? <laughs> I mean, all we have to do is think back through this last year and a half. I think back through this last year because, in fact, today marks the end of my first year here. Because our first... <laughs> now, I need to figure out if you're clapping because it was the end of something or just... Anyway. <laughs> November 1, that Sunday was our first Sunday. Man, a lot's happened in the last year. Some of it's been confusing. You know what? Some of what's going to happen in the next year will be confusing too. In fact, I dare say some of what will happen tomorrow will be confusing. This afternoon, something's going to be confusing. And if you're a Bears fan, I guarantee it. <laughs> Sometimes life is confusing. They went to the tomb and it was empty and they saw him buried. The guards were no longer there. The stone had been rolled away. The cloths had been folded up. And every mother here should mark that verse to tell your children, this is why you make your bed, because Jesus did. <laughs> and he wasn't even coming back to it. It's just free parenting advice. Continue to follow me. I'm full of it. Hope is still hope, even if life is confusing. But hope is so much sweeter when we trust God's heart. Did you look at those words? The disciples, Mary went, it was empty. She went to get a couple of the other disciples and said, I don't know what to do. They've taken him away. She was simply wanting to kind of bring flowers to the grave, continue the burial process. And they didn't know what was going on. They ran there. I, 
I love the image in my mind of Peter and John racing. Two guys, don't tell me they weren't racing. They weren't just headed there. They, they were racing to see which one got there. And they both claimed victory because John got there first, but Peter went in first. Hey, it's guys. I know that's what they did. But notice what it says. They went in. They looked around. They observed. And then verse 9. The other disciple who had reached the tomb first, the tomb first also went in. He saw and believed. But I think we missed this next part in verse 9. For as yet they did not understand. John believed, but he still didn't understand. Satan tells you because there's stuff that you don't understand in here. There's stuff you don't understand in life that you can't possibly believe. That's not true. Life is confusing and it will be till the end. But God is still God and hope is still hope. Even if life is confusing. And hope is so much sweeter when we trust God's heart. There was a song out a long time ago. I'm, don't, don't worry, I'm not going to sing. But it was something to the effect that when you can't find or see God's hand, trust his heart. Trust his plan. Even if you don't understand, you can still believe in his plan. Thirdly, hope is still hope, even if you have trouble seeing it. Isn't it interesting? They got there, saw an empty tomb, and all they saw was an empty tomb. And Jesus said, I'm going to die, and in three days, come back. But somehow they had forgotten that. They, they didn't think it could possibly mean he got up and came back out. So much so, the scripture goes on in John chapter 20 and verse 11. It says, Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look in the tomb, saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head, one at the feet. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, they've taken away my Lord. I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him and I'll take him. Then Jesus said to her, Mary. And she recognized him. You know that, don't you? There are people in your life that you know love you. There are people in your life you're close enough to. All you have to do is hear them say your name or your nickname. And you know who it is. Mask or no mask. Disguise or no disguise. Obstacles or no obstacles. You hear that voice. Let me tell you, Jesus didn't just call Mary. He called you. And this morning, I am praying that you hear him say your name. Because hope is here and hope is for you. We need to recognize <laughs> that even when we have trouble seeing it, even when our eyes are clouded with tears, 
We just need to let God wipe our tears. He will. Scripture tells us that he even collects our tears. I can't imagine how big that basin is. He cares. He'll wipe your tears so that you can see what he intends, so that you can see him, so that you can understand or at minimum believe even without understanding. But then we need to look for God's fingerprints. His fingerprints are all over the place. There was a church in South Bend, Indiana that caught my attention one time as I was going online looking for ideas and seeing what other people were doing and finding things not to do and et cetera. And I saw this church and there was a big thumbprint. Now I like crime mystery things, so I was intrigued. So I clicked into the website and it gave the name of the church, which I don't even remember at this point, but it said, we're trying to put God's fingerprints all over the South Bend area. What a beautiful picture. We need to realize God's fingerprints are all around us and on us. We just need to look for them. You've watched enough TV shows to know that they don't see fingerprints until they look for them. Until they spread that magic dust. We need to look for God's fingerprints in our life. We need to look for God's fingerprints even in empty tombs and empty dreams. We need to look for God's fingerprints around us and follow his plan. See, hope is still hope, even if you're fearful. We sang that just a little bit ago. Fear doesn't need to take it away from us. John chapter 20, verse 19 it says that on the evening of the first day of that week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. They were so afraid they had the doors locked. Now, the best news is when you read the rest of that verse and it says Jesus came in. Because it doesn't matter what law, what wall, or what obstacle may be there, none of it can stop Jesus. And that gives me hope. Even people's locked hearts, he can still speak. He can still touch. He can still change. For that person you're praying for who seems to have given up and wants nothing to do with him, keep praying because God can go through locked doors, closed windows, even closed mind and hearts and open them up. We need to make sure that we recognize hope is still hope, even if we seem fearful. In fact, let me add, hope is still hope, even if you're fearful, no matter what you are fearing. We all have different fears. It's always fun sometimes to ask people what they're afraid of, just in icebreaker conversations. And Some are afraid of certain bugs, some are afraid of spiders, some are afraid of... Bees, some are afraid of anything that slithers or hisses, and some are afraid of all of it. <laughs> there was a television show that I enjoyed for several years called Monk, and Monk was even afraid of milk. <clears throat> In fact, one time somebody said, how many things are you afraid of? And he said, 123. It doesn't matter what you're fearful of or how many fears you may have. Hope is still hope. 
The disciples were fearful. They were meeting, but they were fearful. And Jesus still came in. And when he did, the end of verse 19 says, Jesus said to them, peace be with you. See, where Jesus is, there can be peace even in the midst of strife, even in the midst of fears, even in the midst of dead dreams, hopes, and plans. Because God's still God, and hope is still hope. And maybe this last one is the one that matters the most to you. Hope is still hope, even if you have doubts. See, we mistakenly think that anybody who has doubts about all this stuff can't come to faith. Notice Peter and John saw. It says John believed, but they didn't understand. They had doubts. But if that's not direct enough for you, take a look at John 20 at verse 24. Now, Thomas, one of the twelve, one of the disciples, who was also called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, now think of someone sitting near you who this would be them. He said, unless I see his hands, the mark of the nails, and place my finger in the mark of the nails, and place my hand in his side, I will never believe. Anybody here born in Missouri? Known as the show me state. I don't believe, show me. How many times did my parents say that to me? Dennis, I don't believe your excuse, show me. Oh, it was once, that's all. But even if you have doubts, hope is still hope. Thomas and his buddies, who he had been with for three years, he thought they hallucinated. He thought this couldn't possibly be true. But notice then, verse 26, eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them, although the doors were locked again. Jesus came and stood among them and repeated that phrase, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, <laughs> Put your finger here. He knew what Thomas had said. See my hands. Put out your hand. Place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, you have believed because you have seen me. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. We may not see the body of Christ while we're here, but we can sure see his fingerprints all over the place. We have his word. We have his Holy Spirit. We can believe even in the midst of doubts. And let me assure you, if you have doubts and questions, God can handle your questions. How small would God be if you could stump him with your question? I hate to put it to you this way, but you're not that smart to come up with the one question that would stump God. Neither is the cynic living next to you. God is still God. Hope is still hope. And make sure you get this. 
Not only is hope still hope, but hope is here. Hope is here. And wherever you are, hope is there. The same hope that was available when the tomb was empty because it still is. Aren't you glad that those of us who follow Christ, we don't need to take some pilgrimage to go to a gravestone? There isn't one because he's not there. He has risen. Hope is here and hope is available. If you came in this morning feeling hopeless, doubtful, fearful, I have great news. Hope is available. And I have the best news. Not only is it here, not only is it available, but hope is for you. I have another little secret. Every person you see this week, all those things are still true. Whether they believe or not. Hope is here. Hope's available and hope is for them. We need to let them know. We need to share it. We need to show it. Because God's fingerprints are all over it. The question is, will you accept the hope that's already here? Will you accept the hope that is available right now? Will you accept the hope that's for you? I can't accept it for you. My parents couldn't accept it for me and I couldn't accept it for my kids or my grandkids. We each have to accept it. Doubts and fears, that's okay. He can handle that. Just believe. Even if like John, you don't understand.